Merely saying the word suicide makes a lot of people uncomfortable, so they don't talk about it. The reality is, suicide remains one of the top 10 leading causes of death in the United States, even though it is 100% preventable. But like any major public health crisis, you have to talk about the problem in order to work to eradicate it. I'm Natalie Pierre, and on this week's Mental Health Timeout, Jacksonville Jaguar safety Doug Middleton joins me for an emotional conversation about the impact suicide and other adversity has had on his life. Thank you for taking the time to have this conversation with me, Doug. For those who don't know, you played your college ball at Appalachian State, and your NFL journey started four years ago when the New York Jets signed you as an undrafted free agent. It hasn't always been the easiest path for you, but there's a lot that people during this time, while they're, you know, during this pandemic and there's uncertainty that I think they can take from your journey and the ups and downs of it. You know, three years ago, shortly before the start of your second mini camp with the Jets, you found out that someone you grew up with played high school football with and considered your best friend from the age of seven had committed suicide. With so many people feeling depressed, anxious, and really just struggling during this time right now, you know, I think it's important that we're taking care of ourselves mentally, but also when we can, looking out for each other. You know, looking back, were there any signs that your best friend, AJ Morrison, showed prior to his death that really illustrated how much he was struggling? And, and if so, what did that look like? Yeah, from, you know, from my best friend, um, AJ, uh, we were best friends since, you know, the age of six. Uh, we grew up in the same neighborhood, um, really the same street. Um, we shared a lot of firsts together, uh, went to elementary school together, um, all the way up to high school, played, you know, high school football together. Um, and we spent a lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot of good moments, a lot of tough moments together, learned a lot together. So, um, you know, really throughout our entire journey, I was able to observe him and, and I knew what, what looked like him and I knew what wasn't him. And I knew, you know, what he was going through. And, and um, you know, AJ, you know, suffered a few traumatic events that, um, you know, may have changed, you know, his life and, you know, some of the things that he experienced uh, may have impacted him in a way that um, he fell into a state of severe depression. And uh, once he got into that state, it was pretty obvious that um, he needed, you know, some other help, um, you know, some professional help. Uh, my mom uh, has been a, you know, clinician. Um, she's worked with, you know, young adults, uh, student athletes, um, you know, her pretty much her entire career. And now she does mental health claims for Boeing. Uh, so that was one of the first resources that I reached out to as far as, you know, just trying to get AJ some help. After I realized that, you know, he was going to need a little bit more than that, uh, we was having him kind of in and out the, you know, the mental health hospital um, and really just trying to get, you know, some help from that angle. And, you know, he began to see a counselor um, and psychologist, um, you know, to try to get him some help. And for some reason, those those things wasn't, you know, they weren't working. And no matter how much we could say, like, you know, just, you know, go speak to somebody. It, it doesn't always work like that. And, and for AJ, he could never really find somebody that he could identify closely with, somebody that he could, you know, truly open up to and, and somebody that he felt like he could trust. And, you know, he would, you know, always ask me for help, like, you know, please give me some help, please give me some help. And, you know, 
I would try to find them the help that I knew that I had access to and, and, you know, what I thought could, could help him. And, um, you know, I think that's you know, a huge issue with our, our culture. Like it's, you know, we know a lot of us are suffering, but it's, it's, it's tough to find those resources that may um, make the actual true difference. You know, you can go talk to a counselor, you can go talk to psychologists, but um, is that somebody that is really, you know, connecting with the individual, somebody that they're really able to open up to and somebody that's able to get them and, and help them make progress. And for AJ, that, you know, um, that was the toughest thing. And, um, you know, the months went by, you know, where AJ was suffering from severe depression and, and you could obviously tell, like, um, you know, it was weighing on him bad. Like he didn't even, some days he didn't want to go outside. Uh, some days he didn't, he didn't even want to brush his teeth. He, um, felt ashamed sometimes to even go out to eat. And, um, as the times went on, it just, it just started to get worse and worse. And then, you know, it was, there was some indication that things were getting better and, and, and that he was making some progress. and and I went down to, you know, train for the off season in Miami. And um, I just remember, you know, getting um, a call from him the day before his death and, and him just sounding at peace, you know, and, and knowing that um, I guess his, his, he had done as much as he could and, and he felt like he, he, he tried as, as many different things to get help as he could and, and it just wasn't working. And he just wanted the pain to stop. Um, so the next day, I got a call from my dad and, and let me know that um, AJ had just suffered a death by suicide. And um, I can just remember speaking at his funeral and, you know, a lot of emotions there um, and really just trying to speak to a crowd that really didn't have a clue what was going on, like why he, you know, had just randomly died, you know, 23-year-old. I mean, why, how did he just, you know, just die? Like, what happened? Why did he just kill himself? Like, what? And... I'm trying to explain to them the different things about mental health that AJ was going through and, and, you know, some of his circumstances. And, you know, during that time, like, as soon as I got done, um, you know, the, the pastor uh, got up and said, uh, you know, what we need to start doing, like, you know, when you have issues like this, you just need to start, you know, bringing it to the church and just praying about it. And, and that'll, that'll fix everything. And, and when he said that, that really stuck with me and, and, um, you know, that's one of the big reasons that I want to start my foundation because I want to bring education to our culture as far as mental health and, and try to bring resources for, for people to actually get better. Um, because I think it's a combination of just like religious activities. Like I think you, you know, God put, you know, people, uh, you know, professionals out here that can handle, you know, mental health uh, illnesses. And um, I think it's a combination of prayer and church and, you know, those, those professionals. And, you know, amongst other, you know, a lot of other, other things. And, you know, a lot of people came up to me after AJ's funeral and just was like, you know, um, I really felt what you were saying and, and you know, I'm, I'm suffering too. You know, how can I get, you know, how can I get some help? What do I need to do? And, you know, that's how I just kind of, you know, turned into, you know, my foundation. Did you know a lot of times people don't even understand with depression that they're going through it? Was AJ when he was struggling? It seems like he confided in you. Is that is that accurate that he confided yeah, yeah, yeah. in you? Sure. And yeah. so did he? Did was he able to name it, or was he just like, man, I'm really sad, or I'm really angry, or I'm really lost, or or lonely? How did that? How did he communicate what he was feeling, or was he able to communicate 
to you. Yeah, yeah. He was able to he was able to tell me like, you know, how he felt about himself. Uh that he didn't feel like he was even supposed to, you know, kind of be here or he didn't he just didn't it was to a point where he 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 lost a lot of respect for himself and and I mean he was just so depressed that he didn't even want to be seen in public and he felt like you know, we would go out and, you know, I would try to, you know, just get him to, you know, just come out and, and, and have fun. You don't, I mean, just be social, like just, just sit here and talk to us while we're out. He didn't want to do that. And, um, you know, like it, it look, it looks tough because you see a person, um, you know, maybe even a year, you know, two years before, and it's a complete 360. Um, and you can never underestimate the, the, the power of a traumatic event or, you know, different events in somebody's life and how that can, you know, influence and impact them. And um, I think at the time that was something that I underestimated. Um, and I'll, I'll be the first to tell people, like, I'm, I'm not, you know, perfect when it comes to mental health. It wasn't until, you know, his death to where I really kind of, you know, understood it and want to understand more about it and, and reach out and get resources. But I would say, you know, common things like, you know, like AJ snap out of it, you know, or AJ, um, you know, it's, it's not that bad or AJ, like, you know, you can get through this, you know, but I would say stuff like that, but not knowing that, you know, the internal battle that he was really fighting every day and, um, you're not knowing the severity of it. And, you know, no matter how many different resources I tried to get for him, um, it just wasn't anything that could really connect with him the right way. And I think that's the story for so many of us, you know, that grow up, especially people that look like us. And, you know, we don't have conversations growing up necessarily where we're talking about mental health. So we don't really understand it and the severity of it and how it can get away from us. Yeah. You know, when you mentioned the church and just praying it away and stuff, it reminds me of when people, you know, there were some videos with the social distancing, you know, people are going to church from home. Right. And, and, but there were some people that decided I still want to, my church is open. I still want to go to my church and like, Jesus will heal me. Like, well, well, like Jesus will take care of you and help you. But there's also like, you like stay home and, and pray. And there are other things that go into this other than just prayer. And I think, you know, with mental health, it's, it's hard for people who have grown up thinking or not acknowledging or understanding what mental health is and that it is a thing to understand the complexities of it and that it is something just like, you know, it's, it's a pandemic, um, you know, this, this coronavirus, and it's a, it's a national crisis, uh, you know, with mental health and with suicide, the suicide rates, you know, are rising. But, you know, when you talk about trauma, it's traumatic to lose someone that's close to you. And it's traumatic to lose someone, especially when it's by suicide that's close to you. And, you know, I attempted suicide and I saw how traumatic it was for my sister, whom I'm very close to. But with with her, I, you know, I survived. And so we were able to talk about it and she was able to work through that trauma and heal. How did you work through the trauma of AJ's death and, and how that that made you feel and then put yourself in a position where you were able to use it? For, for good and, and to be able to help other people that may be in similar situations as you, as AJ? Uh, for me, um, I'm kind of a social butterfly. For So, you know, I kind of gravitate towards, you know, interaction with other humans. Um, 
So, you know, how I got through his traumatic experience, um, I just kind of talk, this, this is what I do. Like, I love talking about it. Um, I love going out and sharing, you know, my experiences and sharing um, the relationship that we had. Um, and that's how I remember him. Like, I, I tell his parents all the time, his parents come to all my charitable events. And I tell them, like, you know, even even though, you know, AJ may have died, like, his, his legacy and his life will live on forever. And and that, you know, even though he died, we will try to help as many other people as we can that, that may be going through some of the same things as AJ is going through. Um, so that's how I kind of get through it. Um, you know, my brother, he's also a social worker. So um, I spend some time talking with him, you know, on a daily basis about different things. And But, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's just actions like this and, and this is like my, my own form of, of counseling, like just being able to speak about it, speak out on, you know, on awareness about mental health and, and just be able to provide some, you know, some help for other people. Absolutely. You know, one thing about your career that a lot of us who played sports can relate to is injuries. Yeah. No one plans for injuries, but they happen. It's a, it's, Something we all know is part of sports and, and a possibility, but you still can't plan for it. You can't plan for the way you feel. You can't plan for the process of, you know, I've worked so hard toward this. Now my reality is physical therapy and the sideline and working to get back to a point that you had hit so long ago. And you're, you, it's just a whole different challenge. You know, you went to your second mini camp for the Jets right after the passing of AJ and suffered a season ending injury before the season even started. You tore your pec. And, you know, I think a lot of people right now are trying to deal with the sudden pause, the fact that they couldn't plan for this pandemic. They couldn't plan. They don't even know how long they're going to be home right now. And, you know, for you, I think it's compounded. Their kids are home. They don't have work. They don't know where their next meal is coming from. So it can feel like a snowball effect. And they can't, you know, stop it or understand how to deal with it. And that's when you see, I think a lot of people struggle with some mental health issues. For you, how did you really navigate the combination of your season ending injury before your season even started? And then it was so soon after something so traumatic in in a friend's in a friend's suicide. How did you come to terms with all of that and process all of that and 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 work through that because you had nothing, you know, with injuries, you have nothing but time. Yeah. So, um, that was definitely some, you know, some pretty severe back-to-back blows, um, you know, losing my best friend and then, you know, losing, um, what I thought was at the time my identity, which was football. Um, so, you know, I was always taught this, um, I've heard this from my parents. I even heard it from like Nick Saban and, and like Bill Belichick. Um, the 24-hour rule. So what I did, you know, once I found out that I was going to be out for the season, I really took like 24 hours and and at sometimes a little bit longer to to really just sit and and kind of you know cry like mope you know be sad about it. Um, and then after that 24 hours was over, um, I did I tried to develop a plan like how can I use this this you know this time that I have. Um, this platform that I have, and I'm still on the team, even though I'm not playing, what what can I do with this this opportunity that I have? Um, and after about, you know, a day of sitting there thinking and, and, and crying and, and, and 
being sad and, and kind of depressed about not being able to, you know, live out my dream on the field and, and not be able to accomplish, you know, the goals that I've worked for so much this entire offseason. Um, and what I felt like was going to be the best way to honor AJ is, is by playing on the field at the time. Um, I came up with the entire plan and it made it took me two days to come up with it. Um, my first thing that I wanted to do was go back to school. So I already had my undergraduate degree in political science and I was already through like one semester of my master's in public administration. I called school Appalachian State the next day uh, after I suffered my season injury and I told him I wanted to get back to school. I told coach, the head coach Todd Boys that I wanted to go back home and rehab and, and go back to school and finish up with school. And they said, yeah, and yes, that I could. Uh, so I did that, started back and, you know, had surgery, um, started physical therapy maybe the week after that. Um, I started back in school and in classes. And then, you know, so I got I got going with that. And and still I, I still I still felt an empty spot, you know, just trying to figure out, you know, how to live without my best friend. Like, what, what can I do? And so I just started reaching out to different organizations like Nomni. I started there. Um, I was just, you know, sitting on a computer one night and just Google mental health and saw Nomni. And I reached out to different locations and I just sat, went and sat and met with people. And they gave me some ideas of how I could, you know, go on and, and, and remember my best friend and, and do things to honor him. And that's when I became, you know, heavily involved with Nomni. Um, you know, I, I led one of the awareness walks um, in North Carolina that year. Uh, I did a huge charitable event that year for mental health, you know, in my own hometown. And I just, you know, started spending a lot of time with student athletes and and young, you know, young kids that were just, just like me, you know, just grew up in the same environment that I did. And pretty much I just took all the time and opportunity that I had and Focus it somewhere else, and that 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 helped me a ton. And it, and to be honest with you, it felt like more uh, enjoyable, more um, honorable to to be doing that than actually playing the game of football at that time. And you know, the advice that I would give some people during this is, you know, this is this is an unprecedented time that we're going through. This is a very you know tough moment that we're going through. You know. So take the time to 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 be sad about it. Take the time to you know, you know, be in, in a slump about it. But you know, after you know, twenty four hours, forty eight hours, you know, develop a plan to where you, you know, you can help you know, support and put food on the table for your family because, you know, that's what that's what you got to do. You know, at this, if if you don't do it, you can't you can't count on the government to do it. You can't count on you know your friends to do it. This is just where it's just where we are, and and um, this is this is one of the stuff that when we we're in school we we were reading about it in history books. Like we, this is what we're living right now, and and this is a very tough moment. And you know I say that with compassion because I understand like how tough it is for you know for people to put food on their tables. I understand how tough it is to to manage your kids being home and still having to work, and you know even if you lost your job, just you know unemployment just it's, it's so many things that you have to go through right now but um at the end of the day is it's, it's what we got to do is what we got to do to survive it's what we got to do you know to keep our family going it's what we got to do to keep our legacy going and and that's why i always say the 24-hour rule i mean i don't think anything is worth skipping over like 
if you don't, you know, mourn the loss of your best friend, if you don't spend time acknowledging what has just happened, you know, it's, it's always going to be, you know, in the back of your head, you'll never be able to overcome it. And for me, I just sit and I sit and think about, you know, whatever that event was for 28, 40, 24, 48 hours. And then after that, you know, I kind of use it to, to motivate me and, and, and get me out whatever situation that I'm in. Absolutely. It sounds like you, I heard you say you defined yourself at that point when you, you experienced that injury, your, your yeah. purpose, you defined your, your purpose through football. And it sounds like having to be being forced to step away from that. It sounds like you experienced a lot of growth and it, you know, and again, don't let me put words in your mouth, but it sounds like you, you grew from that experience. And, and just like people are having a hard time now and these are real things and they're serious things and they're, they're tough, important things. Your stuff was a tough, important stuff. You lost, you lost a friend in a very difficult way. And I think it's, to be able to see that there can be growth in the most difficult of times, I think is important because it provides hope. And right now that's something that's so key right now that people need so much of, because it can be, if you sit home alone or you don't have a whole bunch going on, you can let hopelessness consume you and that can put you in a really dark place. Yeah. Um, that moment, that year of my life is probably when I've, I've seen the most growth out of any part of my life. Um, I grew as a, a human being. I grew, you know, as a, as a student, I grew as a professional. Um, and, you know, I didn't grow as much as a football player because I wouldn't really, you know, spend as much time like focus on football. But, you know, at, at someday football is going to end and everything has to become, that has to become secondary. So, uh, for me, like I took some time to focus on what is what does football look like when it's over, you know, like and and the same thing that um, you know everybody else has to do, you know, and and hopefully they can grow from what it, what does it look like when I don't have my job, you know, how do I put, you know, how am I gonna provide for my family then? What what do I do? And you know, I was put in that position, like what you know, who am I? You know, I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm not on the football field playing on Sundays right now. What am I doing? And you know, I just really took pride in, in being able to define myself outside of football. Um, you know, I, I really take a lot of seriousness in, you know, my education and helping other, you know, helping other kids, you know, student athletes. Um, and that's something that I want to do, you know, uh, you know, for the rest of my life, even after football's over. And I also take a lot of pride in, and, you know, I enjoy politics. That's something that, you know, I plan to maybe get into, um, at least some type of government work. Um, but, you know, speaking for people who can't speak for themselves, that's that's something that I've always took pride in, you know, since I was a little kid. And um, for me, having this opportunity to um, for me, having this opportunity uh, to take some time and really and, and see who I am outside of football without the game of football, um, it, it made me grow a lot. And I'm sure that um, a lot of people, you know, during this pandemic will, will grow, you know, know a lot also absolutely there's something there's something to be said i think that's an experience for a lot of us i grew a ton more than i've ever grown in my life after being forced when we're forced to stop and and think and spend times with ourselves it forces us to be comfortable with ourselves or get uncomfortable with ourselves and figure out how to get comfortable and and there's so much growth that happens in that you know for you you're a guy like i mentioned before you went to appalachian appalachian state 
you know, a group of five program, went undrafted, experienced a season-ending injury before the start of your second year. Like no one at that point, no one expects you to be a guy that starts on Sundays. Those expectations, you know, go down. But for you, you come back in year three with the Jets and you have an opportunity to start. And it looks like, wow, you know, this guy has worked hard. You know, he's grown off the field. He's, he's worked hard on the field and he's achieved this. And, you know, it's, it's turning around for him. And then you tear another pectoral muscle and are out for another season. And I've heard you, you know, speak previously and call that your rock bottom and, and say that, you know, depression started to set in and that you started drinking alcohol every night and using that as a way to cope. You know, I think right now, a lot of people, like we've mentioned, are dealing with a lot of heavy stuff and there aren't things to, they feel like they can't catch a break. You know, I can't go to work. I can't provide for my family. My kids are driving me crazy, whatever it is. They have all of this stuff and, and it's all just consuming them. But liquor stores are open. That's, that's one of the things that we have. And so that option of I'm going to go stock up and get some alcohol and dull this pain is something that a lot of people right now are undoubtedly struggling with and, and experiencing. For you, how did you stop that you know, destructive cycle of drinking every night, come through the depression? And I even heard you say that you, you wondered like, you know, maybe this isn't it, maybe the NFL, maybe football, it's not gonna work out, kind of like you know, feeling that sense of like, maybe I wanna quit creeping in. But how did you how did you overcome the depression, the the drinking, and really that feeling of being defeated and really get back to work after everything, not just that, but everything to grow and then to to be like, man, like I, you know, I'm supposed to win now. Um, you know, how did you come through that? How did you work through all of that? Yeah, um to be honest with you, that moment was definitely um my rock bottom. And it was it was definitely the toughest, toughest moment in my life, even after my best friend passing, um, you know, suffering a season ending injury the, the first time. Yeah, it I mean I, I can just remember um being in the in, in my car at the facility, uh once they told me that, you know, I had just torn my other pet, uh after like, you know, really going through all that I went through and then making it back to the point to where I was a starter now and I was finally getting an opportunity that I felt like I worked for. And then now all of a sudden it was being taken away again. And at that moment, um, you know, I really just, I really just hit it. You know, I didn't want to talk to anybody. Um, I didn't want to hear anybody's, you know, Oh, this is the good that can come out of it. I, I didn't want to hear anything like that. Like I was just really, you know, confused. Like I had no clue what God was trying to show me. I had no clue what, you know, God was trying to do for me at this point in my life. And and I just didn't even know if like I was really contemplating like not even playing football anymore. Like that's how 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 bad it was and, and it was to the point where like I didn't I don't want to have anything to do with football. Like I wanted to just go ahead and uh start my career, um, you know, with my degree and and, and see where it would go from there. And um, I just, I would tribute, you know, my progress to my family, 
um, you can't do anything in life alone. And the moment that you think you can is when God or life will, will provide you with something in, in life that you can't handle it all by yourself. And this injury was something um, that I couldn't handle by myself. And, you know, I started to gravitate towards, you know, alcohol, you know, just to kind of numb the pain of, 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 of something that, um, that I felt like I've, I've worked so much for. Like I've, I put literally everything into coming back and, and, and being a professional athlete again. Like it's, it's not easy, um, not only for a star player to do it, but a guy who, you know, went to a small school, a guy that, you know, went undrafted, a guy that you don't, you don't as an undrafted athlete, you don't even have that many opportunities to start with, you know, then suffering, you know, back to back season injury injuries and making it back from that. Um, it's, it's a lot of pain. It's a lot of, it's a lot of dedication that even went to me getting to that point. Um, but I would say that what really helped me is, is my family and friends being able to, um, to notice the differences and the changes in my life. And it was a lot of friends that would tell me like, Hey, like, like you starting to drink a lot. Like you, like you're not even drinking, like just to have a good time. now. like, you, like something's like going on, like you're drinking a lot more than usual. And, um, you know, having those people that, that are aware of the, of the changes in your life, um, and having that, you know, that, that group that you can count on that can actually be, you know, real with you and not just, you know, be your friends when things are good and, and, and tell you a bunch of good stuff, like people that can, can tell you how it is. And, you know, that's what I, that's what I had. And, you know, my parents, my girl, my brother, like those people, were able to help me, um, you know, get my life back on track and, and really see like, you know, where I could, I could recover, how I could recover from this. And because mentally I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even gonna lie to you. Like I was, I was, I was such in a bad state, um, that I didn't, I really didn't know what was next for me. Um, and you know, the, the encouragement that I would give people is like, you know, like I always say, like, understand the, the events that you're going through, like, have respect for it. Like, don't just act like it's, you know, uh, you know, like it's nothing. Like, understand that, you know, I'm going through, a, you know, a tough event right now. Um, I'm struggling right now and acknowledge it. Yeah. And then after that, try to come up with a plan, like, you know, bring people, gravitate to people around you that can help and be your support and, and, and help you come up with the plan to be successful. And, and that's what I did. Like I, I went through a lot of tough moments, but I, I identified some people that really care about me and some people that can really, you know, help get me out of tough spots because I mean, you can't do it alone. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's impossible. I mean, you can't just count on yourself to get you out of every situation. It can't just be you and God. Like it has to be you, God and others, you know, and, that's what it was for me. And, and that's how I was able to, to, you know, put my drinking behind me. Like I still, you know, I still enjoy, you know, having a few drinks, but it was to the point where it was, it was a lot more than just a, a few drinks. It was, it was kind of getting disgusting to be honest, but you know, at that point in my life, that's, that's, that's how I felt. And, um, you know, that's, that's the type of things I was going through. Yeah. I mean, as athletes, you want to, you, you always want to, you know, practice discipline. And when you feel that getting away from you with something like drinking, you know, that 
you know, we're not always able to identify that. So the fact that you leaned on people to say like, Hey man, this is bad. And you're like, Oh man, like this is, I got to do something before this becomes something where I, it, I'm too far gone to, to crawl my way out of it. No. So there, I mean, there's a lot that, I mean, again, your story, everything that you've come through and the fact you can still see, you know, you say, you know, trust me, that time is hard. I see it. I see it on your face. When, when I, you know, I talk about that moment, it's almost like you went, went back there. But yeah, and this is yeah. my father. I mean, it's not, it's not, it was the, I mean, it's family and friends. It's, it's, it's spiritually like, um, like what I'm doing now, like I, I spend a lot of time with student athletes at my school and a lot of them are in situations where they don't, they don't understand their value. You know, they don't understand like why they're there. They don't understand, you know, why God has put them in the, in the um, you know, put them in that situation. And for me, that that's how I was at that point. You know, I didn't, I didn't understand why God was putting me in that situation. I didn't understand why he's taking the game from me again for the second time. And yeah, a lot of good came from, from, you know, that, you know, that opportunity, but I didn't, I didn't see it at that time. You know, I wasn't even focused on it at, at that time. Um, and, you know, it's a lot of friends, but you got to really remember, like, you know, what do you, what do you want out of your life? You know, and, and, that was the thing for me. Like, what what do I want people to remember about me? What do I want? Um, what do I want for my life, for my family? Like, what you know? What do I want to accomplish? And the moment that you lose all your motivation, the moment that you lose all your goals and dreams, and the moment that you feel like you're not waking up for something, is the moment where you just you know you lose it all. And and that's where I was at. Like, I felt like I wasn't waking up to 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 be you know the best player I could be. I, I felt like I wasn't waking up to be you know um whatever I could be off the field like I I wasn't there anymore and it just took you know myself it took you know my family and friends and and helping me re-identify myself and re-identify my motivation and purpose in life and you know once I was able to do that um I was able to get things back on track yeah and I think that's something a lot a lot a lot of people can relate to right now you your foundation that you've mentioned a few times the dream the impossible initiative created, you know, in honor of your friend AJ Morrison works in underserved communities with children to get the word out, to provide awareness for mental health. And, you know, you know, growing up for me in, in a sports world, my coaches talked about mental toughness. We talked about how to create habits, how to work hard and, and do those things to become successful at your sport. But we didn't talk about mental health. I don't know if I knew what it was or acknowledged it as a real thing. And, you know, as I know and as I've experienced, it is a very real thing. What have you, what are the ages of the kids and the people that you work with? Is it all ages? And what have those conversations been like? And what have you really learned from them about, you know, where they're at? Because there's something beautiful to be said about young people that, have the ability to be open to learning. Whereas when you become 20, 30, whatever, it's more difficult to say, no, mental health is real. You've got to be vulnerable when you're not used to doing that. So what have these kids maybe taught you about mental health and, and some of these things that seem very difficult for some people in these communities, like, you know, that you've come from, that I've come from, where it's so challenging for us as adults, but, you know, maybe it's not that way for them. 
don't know. You gotta tell me. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great question, man. I I just love working with young kids because like it's not like they don't want to. It's it's just the fact that they don't they don't know, you know, and and it's they only know what their parents are teaching them. So until you come and teach them and show them, you know, you know how it's supposed to be, that they're just going to do with, you know, what they feel like is comfortable, you know. And I really enjoy, you know, working with kids and the fact that, like, I remember one, um, you know, the first charitable event I did, uh, the Let the Light Shine celebration. Um, I wrote down like a lot of the stuff that. Um, you know, I just kind of asked them, like, what do you, you know, what do you want for Christmas? And we kind of got them everything um, that they wanted a Christmas list. And, and one girl asked for uh, an air mattress because she didn't really have anywhere to sleep, you know. And, you know, the teacher brung her there um, and she said, yeah, she doesn't really, she doesn't really talk much. Um, but, you know, I brung her here because I, I felt like I could, you know, you could help her get her out of her shell. So I met her, you know, as soon as she got there and um, the way she just opened up to me was was beautiful. Like at first she was so nervous about, um, you know, where she was going to go to high school that she had shifted, you know, schools a few different times, moving around with family. And, you know, by the end of the night, she was already excited to, to talk about college. She wanted to go to Appalachian State. She wanted to, to be successful in a lot of other things in life. And um, these kids are so they're so vulnerable. Like they're so much different. Um, I would say than our generation, like, I feel like sometimes we're a little bit more closed off and like, you know, we're trying to, you know, protect a lot of our, um, you know, emotions, but social media has these kids so wide open. They can really like just go and say whatever they want. And even though, you know, it's, it's a, I feel like it is a lot tougher for them as kids, mainly because they're, they're being so, they're being compared uh, so much more because of social media, like Instagram, like you're comparing how many likes you get, you compare how many followers you get, you're comparing, you know, you can just see things on, on social media so much faster than you would, you know, without it, you know, like, and it's, it's making, you know, kids feel, you know, you know, sometimes bad about themselves. And, um, but I would definitely say like working with them, it's, it's showing me that how to be vulnerable. It showed me that, it's okay to reach out and get help. It's okay. You know, I feel like they've taught me more than I've taught them. And, you know, the more I spend with them and the more I realize that, you know, especially for kids in my community, it's, it's not about the fact that they don't want to be successful. It's not the fact that they don't want to be great. It's, it's what they're, um, what they're accessible to. Yeah. And as soon as you provide them with resources and, and show them what success looks like, they'll work as hard as they can to attain it. And a lot of the kids, like, you know, uh, last year, or my second year doing an event, we brought a lot of, you know, successful people in to, to show the kids um, what it looks like to attain success without being an athlete, without being a rapper, you know, without, you know, some of the things that they all, they see all the time. Like, let me show you something else. Let me show you what, you know, teach a successful teacher looks like. Let me show you what a successful financial advisor looks like. Let me show you what a successful lawyer, doctor you know, things that they may not have known about. Um, and, you know, just putting them on the panel and letting them just ask them whatever questions they wanted and, you know, about their journey, about, you know, what made them want to, you know, get into that career. And, you know, these kids leave and they leave motivated. They leave ready to, you know, to achieve a success that maybe nobody in their family knew about. You know, you're talking about, you know, still first-generation college students, but still people that, 
I mean, they don't have much access to besides some of the things that they see on TV. And, you know, they, you know, for, for them, they think, you know, sports is like their biggest heroes. And, and, and for me, like, I'm telling them, I say, you can be so much more than, you know, an athlete. And that's kind of the message that I preach every, you know, every time. And um, so we're more on the preventative side, you know, with, you know, when it comes to mental health, we're not really on the reactive side. Uh, so we try to focus on young young kids, young adolescents that's, you know, really 16 to 10 to 16 and, and teach them basic practices of how, you know, to care about your mental health and, and know that your mental health is just as important as your physical health. So I lost you for a second there. You know, this is part of this pandemic, all this uncertainty, things happen. But no, thank you so much for the incredible work you're doing, for this message you're putting out there. So these kids that are coming after us really understand how to be better than us, be better than the people who, you know, came before us and really experience less pain to be able to learn some some wonderful lessons, but not have to learn it through such difficult experiences. So thank you for joining me. I've, I've learned a lot. I appreciate it. And I hope other people learn too. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, You've asked some great questions um, and, you know, filled me with a lot of emotions. So I definitely appreciate, you know, you taking the time to do that. No, of course.